what's happening to the internet? I'm going to start recording now just so that we can, like, have this for posterity. <laughs> B? You're opening up? You should just call her back. Okay, okay. Maybe we could just do... Yeah, audio. Can we just do that? Is that know. your picture? Yeah, it's Mufasa with sunglasses on. Okay, 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 okay. How to make Skype more reliable. <laughs> do you think it's Skype or is it... No. No, it's it's all like really broken up. Your knitting looks fun though. Let's just have a texting podcast. We'll just have a texting podcast. Can we just read? <laughs> yeah, we'll just... I'll read what B In like saying. a deep voice. <laughs> A lot of people use Skype for this, but I just don't know how they do it. They must have really good internet. Oh, it's a new song. Ow. It's much more enthusiastic. You're right. It's kind of a fucking jam now. Hello? Are you alive? No? Yes? Hello? Are you there? <laughs> Hi. Hi. Are you trying on your phone now? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We could just do a call. And then at this point, we might as well just do a call. Um, oh. Do you have an iPhone charger? No. <laughs> oh, cool. I don't either. I thought Mercury was done. No, this is. This is no, apparently it's a lot worse right now. It's Mercury all up in this oh, motherfucker. All right. <laughs> Perfect. That's good, right? Yeah, that does sound good. <laughs> okay. We've got it. I think we have it. This is the lowest tech version we could have done of this, but that is. I'm fine with it. Everyone cool? Okay. All right. Yeah. B, <laughs> welcome. Two, Encyclopedia. Episode seven. Yep, it's going great so far. I would say. <laughs> I'm glad to be back. So far, all, all things accounted for. Um. B, do we have an introduction yeah, written for B? I can't use my phone, but... Oh, okay, I'll use the phone. Um, so, uh, B, I'm gonna read some words that you shared with us about yourself. Um... Okay. <laughs> um, B is a 22-year-old currently finishing up school at College of the Atlantic in Bar Harbor, Maine. There's only one major, which is human ecology. Uh, before College of the Atlantic, she went to Putney School, a boarding school in rural Vermont that changed her life. After College of the Atlantic, she plans on being many different things when she graduates, uh, including a homesteader, a weaver, a knitter, a doula, a yoga teacher, a traveler, a sheep owner, and more. Uh, some of these things she already is. Uh, she believes in communication and getting a good night's sleep. That's where we differ. And drinking water also differ. And being outside also love. That's where we meet. Um, that's, that's me. That's, 
<laughs> Is there anything you want to add to that? Can I ask a question? Yeah, please. What is a homesteader? Mm. I've been thinking about this a lot, actually. I've been thinking about, like, the 60s and 70s back to land movement. Um, and what that means for me and how that looks different for our generation. Uh -huh. um, or maybe it doesn't look that different, but I think inherently with technology it does look different. Um, but to me, it means being able to be as, like, sustainable in one's life as possible and um, growing and creating like, as much of the things as you use in your daily life as possible. That's awesome. I actually, there's a, a place called, um, there's a place whose name I completely forget right now. Uh, it's like... Hawk Hill or Eagle Mountain or something. The place with the castle. Nihana <laughs> and Dan went up there to try and visit me one time. <laughs> yeah. And I ended up taking a nap at this, like, abandoned castle instead. And, and we never met up. It was very sad, kind of. Um, we never made it to the castle. Oh, yeah. Mount Falcon, I just Mount remembered. Mount Falcon, yeah. Mount Falcon. And there's, some, there's, there's actually a lot of homesteaders up there. There's a lot of, like, uh, chicken coops uh, and rain catchers and greenhouses and solar panels like running all these farms up there um, wow. that, are, that are just single people is that in colorado yeah that's in colorado that's about mm, probably 25 30 minutes outside denver yeah close to red cool. rocks and you just fell asleep there and i just what oh yeah i fell asleep there uh, yeah, it's very comfy. I don't know, there's a big, there's a big castle up at the top. On the way up, you pass all these homesteaders, but, um, like, at the, at the very top is, like, this big old, big old castle that burned down that was, like, some really famous guy, um, was, was building it, and then it got struck by lightning after his whole family had already died, so it's very sad. And, um, Dan and I were gonna meet him there. But we ended up on a completely different hike, <laughs> like right next to yours, and never met you, and you just left. It was actually on the opposite side of the park. I went to like the south entrance, and you guys went to the north entrance or something like that. Yeah, 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 something like that. Yeah. Um, but cool. What a great intro, B. I just want to say we're going to talk about astrology charts on this next segment of Encyclopedia. Yeah, does, as much does as her possible. astrology chart say she's a big liar with that introduction? <laughs> No, it's perfect. So, B is an Aquarius sun. Um, your rising and moon are literally on the cusp between Leo and Virgo, like zero degrees and one degree. So, I don't know which one you identify with more. Um, but technically, you are a Virgo Wait, rising and a Virgo. Is that me? True. You're a Virgo and Libra, but she's Leo and Virgo. Uh, yeah, we, you thought I was uh, a Leo Virgo, and then I wasn't. Yeah, exactly. Um, but B's moon is right on her ascendant rising sign, which is awesome. And her sun is in the sixth house of, house of service um, and all Virgo things like hand making things and like being a doula and working with herbs and fabric is just very oh my like, goodness. sixth house thing. So it's perfect. Wow. And I'll bring up so more cool. things about your chart as we as we go along. But how should we do this today? Um, um, I don't know. V, do you know what you want to talk about today? Or did you come prepared? Well, I, 
I'm kind of prepared as I could be, I think. Um, I'm kind of going to talk about what I'm immersed in right now, which is weaving. Um, but I'm happy to go whenever. Awesome. Okay. Cool. Um, usually one of us starts. Who started last, yeah. last time at, what, three weeks ago? Oh, I guess we should maybe speak to that. Like, we took a big break. Oh, yeah. We for took Mercury a retrograde. big old Mercury retrograde break. And uh, after that break, we're actually going to continue being a bi-weekly podcast. Yes. Until our lives chill out a little bit, because I'm working on a music festival and, um, you know, trying to get a bunch of podcasts going. And also, I started drinking beer and performing Shakespeare plays. Um, True. That sounds awesome, Aaron. Oh, it's, it's, thank you. Uh, it's, it's super fun, um, drinking and doing Shakespeare plays. And actually I think Dan might be in one of them this summer. Yay. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're just buck wild and anyway, all that stuff. And then Mihana's in business school and. And all this other stuff. The music festival too, kind of. Yeah, so we want to serve you the best quality podcast we can. How so. are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> Don't let us know. Personally, but. I think you guys are doing great. Thanks, Thank B. you. Thanks, B. <laughs> well... For all about... you haters out there, don't add us, all right? <laughs> Just don't follow us. Um, okay, how about... I'll start with the usual, like, tarot mm-hmm. stars okay. podcast. Yeah. And then B will go, and then you go. Okay. And then lightning round, and then you'll, like, wrap it up. Okay. Are you not doing, like, oh. topics anymore? Or uh, have you quit? Is this another show format change? I don't, I don't... I... I think I have a topic, and if I really want to talk about it, then I'll bring it up. But I have a lot to say about, like... Perfect. Charts. Perfect. I think, like, my topic is, like, talking about charts and tarot and stuff. It's, I love that. It's about time I just come out and talk about it instead of just kind of talking about it. That's what this started as, anyway. Yeah, and I, I realized idea. I'd, like, never done it or, like, talked about it, really. Yeah. Um, awesome. And B, yeah, you're definitely a part of this, even though you're not physically with us, but just chime in whenever you want. Okay, sounds great. Can you hear us okay? Yeah. Okay. Oh, no. Sorry, that was your deck. Okay. That was well, my deck? <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, like, it... it's right here. Nothing spilled, but... Um... They, the new ones come, they realize that box. Mihana got me this deck for my birthday three years ago, three years ago. Yeah. And um, the company realized the deck box falls apart super, super easy. Yeah. And uh, so now they started releasing them as a tin. But oh. yeah, I love it like this though. Yeah, it gives a character. It does give a character. I'm, I wish I had a tarot deck that's like kind of beat up. Like Nikki, my sister, has one too, and their deck is like has, like, water, like, warping, and it's, like, really, really cool. But I'm so, like, anal about my cards. Like, I always keep them in a box, always in, like, the same bag, and so, like, they're always just, like, pristine. Like, these are four years old, and, like, they look has. They look like they're brand new. <laughs> I know, but I want them to be, like, dirtier and, like, messed up, but I just, I can't <laughs> let myself do that. Like, they're just in these cardboard boxes all the time. But anyway... Um, today is episode seven, lucky number seven, and the seventh card, <gasps> yay! Lit! I forgot we were doing that. I'll be, I'll pull a card for you at some point. Okay, also, please do. I, I'd like to point out we're on lucky number episode seven, but I pulled the traditionally unlucky number 13, <laughs> but mm. it is the death 
slash rebirth card, which is fitting yes. for our first episode back. Yes, exactly. And the uh-huh. picture is beautiful. It's this phoenix woman rising from these flames. Yeah. She's hot, <laughs> you might say. And she, Yeah, she's hot. She kind of looks like, um, she reminds me of, uh, what's her name? Ann Perkins in Parks and Rec? Rashida Jones. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, you got a lot out of that, because my card people, they don't have faces or really features at all. <laughs> <laughs> so to say it looks like Ann Perkins. I'm she's now... just like kind of tan, has brown hair. I don't know, I just saw like Ann Perkins. And okay. Anyway, whatever. I'm also kind of obsessed with her. Today is card number seven, which is a chariot. Okay. And I pulled some oops, cards here. Beer, she just pushed you just so <laughs> nonchalantly. I forgot my phone was being used. Wait, Mihana, just to get this straight, you just pulled card number seven? No, 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 no. I pulled okay. these out. <laughs> it's not, yeah. Purposefully. Not that magical. <laughs> it actually okay. have, can be. I mean, I should have just tried, but... Um, what do you see when you look at the chariot, Aaron? I see me, man. I see me. Nah, it's not. The chariot isn't Taurus. It's what card? Is it? Cancer? Is it rules chariot? Uh, I think so. Um, no, but in a way, like, I do. It's like, uh, it's like, so on my deck, I particularly like the imagery. A lot of the other ones, it's like a horse. Mm-hmm. Um, but on my deck, it's a chariot with a guy in it being led by two bulls. And one is a white bull, and the other is a, a black bull. Bull, And uh, they're going kind of at right angles from one another. They're not pulling in the same direction at all. Mm-hmm. Um, one is trying to pull forward, and the other one's trying to pull off course. Um, and I, in a way, I do definitely relate to that. I like that depiction more than, like, the, the, the other two cards are these horses that are kind of going full speed, running forward, and you can see how fast they're going. And in Aaron's, these two bulls are going pretty slowly or they aren't moving at all um also happy taurus season today is the beginning of taurus season and cool. oh, wow. Aaron says with a mouthful of food like a like the taurus you are yeah right now <laughs> my like my, if my life was the chariot the white bull is doing this podcast and the black bull is me eating this uh chipotle burrito over here that's true and literally at right angles mm-hmm. <laughs> um but the chariot Traditionally, I guess, like not Aaron's card, but it's basically about like sprinting forward and reaching short-term goals in order to reach long-term goals instead of just going straight from A to Z, going from A to B, and then B to C, and C to D, um, because the chariot won't take you very far, but it'll take you to short distances very quickly. That's, that's a really wise way to go about things, I think. What's that? I said, that's a really wise way to go about things. Yeah, I love this card. And I don't actually pull this card very often. <laughs> I actually pull it pretty much every time. Really? Yeah, if I do a full really? spread, I usually get chariot somewhere. Nice. And it's, yeah, it's usually two horses. Yours have, yours has two bulls. And I think the black and white can represent duality and struggling between which way to go between the white, like follow the white cow or follow the black cow but you both you need both of them to like move at all right and in front of him is like a big yin and yang symbol type Mm -hmm. thing um also i think the bulls are a better representation because i think it's not always something you control yeah and bulls are are pretty you know they're stubborn yeah exactly like they don't really listen to what you're saying you're kind of being dragged along 
<laughs> friendship with the Taurus. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what it is. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's the that's the cherry in a nutshell. And so I think with at least with this energy that I'm feeling right now, it feels like I need to go like a million miles an hour, but also get things done. And that's really impossible. So, like, learning when to take a break. Learning when to do podcasts bi-weekly instead of every week. And, um, yeah, go from A to B and B to C instead of A to Z. Because that will take you there. And I like that we're starting on Taurus season because things are finally slowing down. Aries was crazy. Mercury retrograde, I was like, yeah, whatever, this one's not that bad. Turned out to be wild. Uh-huh. What happened? <laughs> In a lot of end? ways. I think it was all at the end. Or like the second half. Because I have this whole like, ugh, everyone talks about Mercury retrograde like it's not really a thing. But, and I think... I think you have be, a complex about it. Yeah. Just because like Urban Outfitters post about it now and I'm just like... Yeah, oh, it's mainstream. <laughs> yeah, I don't it's like mainstream. It. But it, it's still very true. Um, and B and I briefly talked on Instagram about this a while ago and it's more like we have this energy bursting inside of us that we just want to do things, but Mercury Retrograde really just, like, paused us from all of that. How did that... Yeah. How did that, that manifest for you, B? Um, it was so fascinating. Nihana had posted something, and I... What, what Nihana had said uh, resonated with me so much, and I happened to, like... I was drinking, like, a yogi tea, and my tea bag was spot on. I wish I could remember what it said, but it was something exactly around the lines of what Mihana had said. You don't remember, do you, Mihana? I don't, but I remember you sending me that picture. Um, I if only you why. both weren't using your phone. <laughs> <laughs> I could I could check, probably. I, mean, I can, I can cut out the part where we check, or I could just, like, kind of, like, hum as we figure it out. <laughs> yeah, can you stall a little bit, Aaron? Yeah. Here's a here's a little song by Aaron. Oh, technical difficulties. I don't mind. They happen to people all of the time. Trying to okay, do. Okay, I have it up. Okay, <laughs> you yay, got it. What was it? Um. All right. So. Mihana said something like, "Okay, I replied to your story." And you said, it feels like a slow-moving arrow. So frustrating. But trust the timing. Trees don't grow overnight. Yeah. Um, and I was like, yes, that's giving me so much hope. And you said, there is so much hope. We're, we're only being pulled back to revisit the blocks we have in order to soar and fly even higher and further. And that's when I got my tea bag, And it said, my tea bag said, to let things come to you. And in that moment, I was just feeling this rush of needing to do all these things at once. Mm-hmm. And I realized I really just needed to slow down um, yeah. and take things one at a time. Yeah. yeah. Was that in terms of, like, your business mostly? Yeah, I would say that was in terms of a lot of different things going yeah. on. But yeah. definitely, um, and I'm still feeling it um, this these past two weeks, especially mm-hmm. working on my business. Um and just all that there is to do. Well, it's yeah. it's been amazing watching like the process of, of you putting together um, 
all the things that go into weaving. Like, yeah. watching you do dyes. I love that story. Yeah, well, the dyes were amazing. Like, the um, colors. Yeah, can we, can we plug your Instagram so that people can, like, check out what you've been up to? Yeah, absolutely. That'd be great. Yeah, where can people find you? Um, so people can find me at B Butts is my regular Instagram. Is that B A B U T T S? It's B E A B U T S. Okay. Okay. One T. And I will soon be making um an Instagram for my business, which is going to be called Be Woven, so be on the lookout for that. Awesome. I love that. But, Mihana, do you have more to say? Or are we trying Yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I don't need anything. I don't need Wi-Fi or anything. Thanks. Um, so we just entered Taurus season, which I love. I love Taurus. Aaron here is a Taurus. A lot what? of... You're a Taurus. Oh. Cool. <laughs> oh my gosh. Most of my good friends when are Taurus. Is Aaron's birthday this month? What's that? When is Aaron's birthday? May the 8th. The 8th of May. May 8th. 8th of May, I say. <laughs> <laughs> and Spencer's birthday is today. Is it really? Yeah, my babe's oh, birthday. Fuck, I, forgot to, I forgot to write the thing. Oh, yeah, you're not in the book. That's so okay. I forgot to remind you again, I'm but you so can write sorry. him a letter. I okay. totally forgot to. I'll write him a separate letter. It'll, it'll be mean. Okay, perfect. It'll mean something still. <laughs> oh, man. Um, he is a Taurus. My ex-boyfriend is a Taurus. You're a Taurus. Uh, just a lot of my friends are Taurus, and I really like being around Taurian energy <laughs> because there's this just sweet, charming factor to it to them um very grounding which i am not very grounded as a person so i think being around taurus energy just grounds me there's like this taurus is a sign of intuition and like appreciating beauty and nature and so it reminds me of just like the highest level of taurus is or like the image i like is like the bull a sleepy bull under like, in the shade of a tree, just, like, chewing on some grass. <laughs> and, like, that's when, that's when Taurus are just, like, I mean, that's the archetype of Taurus, obviously, Erin. You're very different from that because you have a lot of Gemini energy. I do, I do chew on a lot of grass, You though. do chew on a lot of grass. And, and I do have four stomachs. Do you eat a lot? Um, no, I just, I eat very slowly because I have mm. to swallow it through my four stomachs. Right. No, I do eat constantly in very small amount. I graze throughout the day, so that is that is accurate. <laughs> um, yeah, and Spencer just eats more than anyone I know. Um, so yeah, we're we're in Mercury is direct, so it's no longer retrograde, but we're in its shadow period, so we're gonna still feel some of the lingering effects. We're in Taurus season, which I love. Saturn is now retrograde. <laughs> what does that fun. mean? It never ends. What does that mean? I, I like Saturn. Saturn is the planet and archetype of, it's like father time and karma and structure and like the masculine patriarch and like hard work. And so because that's retrograde, it's more, it's just coming more into, into the light of like the things we need to focus on, especially internally. And so it's kind of like the chariot, like just chip at it. Um... And, like, set boundaries and, I don't know, a lot of focus on work right now. Like, a huge, huge focus on work. 
Um, April is just kind of all about that. And the biggest thing that's happening is that Uranus, Uranus, is moving into Taurus. And it yeah. moves through the sign, like, every, like, hundred years or something. Really? I think when it entered Aries, the sign before Taurus, like, that's when, like, the Industrial Revolution happened. And so, what? like, Uranus is, like, a huge, like, lightning bolt. And, like, whatever sign it hits, it's, like... I don't know. It's like huge, big change. Is that mean I'm gonna be president or something? <laughs> so, and like <laughs> the fact that it's in Taurus, and Taurus is like in astrology, the sign of like money. I, don't, I think there's gonna be like huge financial change Re- repercussions. and rebirth. Yeah, we're gonna be on Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna or like more people. Like there's already this green movement, but there's gonna be a huge collective shift in going green and sustainable. I don't know. There's gonna be like huge shit happening. But it's a very slow-moving planet, so we're going to see it over the next hundred years or so. Well, yeah, but also, like, the, change. the Industrial Revolution, like... That's ex- fascinating, What? That's fascinating. Yeah. 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 I hope it, yeah, the Industrial Revolution, maybe this will be, like, a, a technological revolution. Like, it seems like what it. would be great, the revolution I'm waiting for is the one where we can, like, provide medical services like much cheaper. Yeah, and that's and all energy. Taurus too. Yeah, any like Earth. So yeah. back, yeah. So like B's sixth house sun is like all about that. And Uranus is the planet of Aquarius, which B is, and so it rules technology and humanity and thinking outside the box. And I always think of Aquarius as like, um, what's the word? Not supernatural, but like from space. <laughs> like this person from space that just knows more and yeah I have a whole Aquarius video out there but that's the main astrological transits that are happening we just had this new moon in Aries next to Uranus so big changes in terms of work but things are going to slow down and fall into place I think I think it's funny how many times you said Uranus I like saying Uranus (laughs) or Uranus because I can't take myself seriously if you say Uranus or Uranus how about Uranus I don't know. That's I don't. Better. None of it's good. <laughs> it's all pretty I bad. Want, I know. I just want like a new name for it. But yeah, that's about, what I like, have so but. far. Just butt. Yeah, just butt's but. Moving in, your butt's moving into Taurus. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I'll kind of chime in here and there with B's chart. And cool. Yeah, let's move on to B's topic. Of yeah, B. Ta- what she's up to with weaving. Yeah, lay down the law. Okay, well, I do just want to say um, thank you to Mihana because I find it so interesting to hear what you have to say about um, astrology and hearing what is going on. It's it's so so wonderful, and I really appreciate the work that you do and um, how willing you are to share that information with all of us. Thanks, Dee. That was so sweet. Um, <laughs> Thank you for the thanks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, um, to give kind of a brief overview of what I'm doing, um, I mentioned in my little bio that I went to the Putney School and it changed my life. Um, but one of the first classes I took at Putney was weaving. Um, and so that's where I, you know, just started to learn and, and kind of fell in love with it. And I remember 
walking into the Fiber Arts Studio at Putney for the first time and just being mesmerized by this wall of yarn and color um, and having no idea how to picture all of these um, different colors and fibers interacting um, before I was actually like, doing it with my hands. I, I needed to have the experience um, in order to like foresee how a project would look. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so throughout those four years, I continued with fiber arts. Um, and then as a senior, I realized that if I really wanted to continue to weave, that I would need to build myself a loom because looms are <laughs> yeah. so expensive. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of my favorite. Um, that's one of my favorite things, by the way, is that like most people would would be like, "Oh, well, I'm coming up on a time where I'm not gonna have a loom available, so I guess I'll take weaving less seriously." Instead, you yeah. were like. Instead, B. Butler was like, oh, well, I'm coming up on a time where I, I won't have a loom, so I better just build one, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, no big deal. Um, yeah, it's pretty funny. It was a much larger endeavor than I knew I was getting myself into. Um, but I was really lucky. Like, I, a lot of people donated... Um, like beautiful maple cherry wood to me um and so I feel like in that way like the community really came together to help me um and I had different woodworking teachers that would come and and show me how to make like weird you know shaped pieces um there's almost like 200 pieces I think in a loom wow oh my Um, god and so it was really like I have to deal and the other thing was that I was in blacksmithing at the time, so I was able to blacksmith some of the <laughs> That's crazy. That's awesome. Um, um, and you also were dealing with ghosts. Is that not correct? You also had a, you also had a run-in with spirits in the blacksmithing slash woodworking shop, right? Yes, that was that was a really terrifying night. Um, I thought a ghost was going to kill me in the wood shop when I was alone. What? Um, working on the bandsaw. Um, yeah, really crazy story. Um, but long story short, what ended up happening was um, I was in the middle of blacksmithing. Like, I just had to go to the wood shop um, to do one quick, um, oh, because I was making a knife. And I needed to cut pieces for the um, handle of my knife. Um, and I, like, I knew how to sneak into the wood shop through the window. I snuck in. I turned on my dance. I was doing my cut. Um, and I just started getting really eerie, kind of creepy vibes. Um, and I, I just, like, I kept looking over my shoulder. And then out of nowhere, all of the machines turned on. No way! Yes! Turned on. And there's no way, like, they weren't all connected. Like, they were all on, you know, separate things. And I was just terrified. Like, that doesn't happen. Yeah, Up to that point, like, I'd been spending almost every single day in the shop. Like, I knew that shop, you know? Um, so I was like, and There's shit. no I way someone could have, like, there's no way someone no. could have, like, turned it all on at the same time, right? Like, it was just, like, pure. Yeah, no, no. There's no way. So what did you do? Um, so I, like, 
turned everything off. I, like, got my pieces. I, like, turned off the light. I went out the window that I came in. It's this old, rickety wooden window. I slam it shut, and the window goes right back up. Oh. And <laughs> I just, like, I pretty much ran away. Um, I would have just away. sobbed. I know. And here's the other thing. <laughs> I wouldn't have had the responsibility or the bravery to go back through and turn everything off. I was gonna say. I would have, like, fucking bolted and just been like, yeah, I guess, like, give me detention or whatever. It's one of those things where you, it's like you're trying to keep some sanity in a situation, and you're like, no, okay, this is okay, I'm just gonna go about my business, you know? Oh my god. Um, But, you know, guys, like, there was a recent... Time just a couple weeks ago, actually, that I had another very wild supernatural encounter. Let's um, like, hear it. <laughs> Let's hear it. <laughs> um, so I guess this, I guess this type of thing tends to happen on your guys' podcast, where like yeah. stories will just come up. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what makes good radio. Okay. So <laughs> this is um, over spring break. I was home, um, and. I, every day, like, that I was home, I would go on these walks with my dog, Abby, um, who is pretty new to me. Um, she's, like, young herself, but um, she lives with my dad and my stepmom, Sarah, and and so I just haven't had that much time with her. But, um, okay, so to, to, to place us a little bit, this is, like, the Berkshires. It had recently snowed. Um, but this day was warmer, and I remember just, like, the sun was shining, and I really wanted to get outside, but I wanted to go to this particular spot um, that's outside of my neighborhood, and it's this dirt road that leads into the Pittsfield State Forest. Um, and I had just been there a couple days earlier with my stepmom, um, and I just had this calling to go back there. So, anyways, like, Abby and I, we kind of did our, like, normal routine walk. We went around the neighborhood. And I was like, okay, Abby, like, let's go outside to this spot. Um, and we're getting closer to the entrance of the dirt road, and Abby is kind of, like, starting to freak out a little bit. Like, she... She's a service dog dropout, so she's really well-trained. Um, but, like, she was kind of acting in this weird way. Normally, like, when you tell her to sit, she'll sit down right away. But this time, she wasn't sitting. So I was like, okay, whatever. I'll just take her leash off so that she can run around. I take off her leash, and she bolts. Like, she completely runs away from me, and so I'm, like, getting a little worried, um, I hadn't taken my phone with me, which was something that I was just, like, aware of, because normally we have our phones on ourselves all the time, um, so I'm calling her and calling her, and, like, finally, she comes back, um, but I put her back on the leash, just because, like, I, I wanted to have some control over her, anyways, we keep walking, and we get to this spot in the past where there's no snow. It's kind of this like circle in the woods and the sun is beaming on us. And I get this really weird feeling 
I, I actually, like, I told Abby, I was like, Abby, let's just wait here for a second. We kind of took in the sun, and then I, I felt this urge that we needed to turn around. So we turn around, and we go home, and about an hour and a half later, Sarah, my stepmom, comes home. And she says, B, the weirdest thing just happened. I was coming into the neighborhood, and there were all of these police cars. Um, and there were all these neighbors standing outside our neighborhood. And I was like, what? Like, what happened? And she said, about a quarter of a mile into the Pittsfield State Forest, outside our neighborhood, there's a dead body. Oh. And I was floored. Because not only did I have this feeling like I needed to go there, but then right, I was almost a quarter of a mile away in. Like, I was so close. Um... So not only did I have the feeling to go, but then right before I was met with the body, I had this feeling like we needed to stay still and then turn around and go back. Like, it was very strange. How, like, was it, like, a recently, like, did it happen there? Like, were they killed out there, or do they know anything? Okay, so it was, um, I think it was, like, a 53-year-old man who had died three days before, and he had recently been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Um, walked into the woods at night, probably got confused, and died of hypothermia. Oh, my Whoa. God. Isn't that crazy? Whoa. That's... I know. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, crazy. That is, that is wild. Uh, I think I think I'm going to... Because Nihana and I also have lots of run-ins with ghosts. Yeah. I feel like we need that supernatural corner, and I need, we like, We do. A, yeah. Um... <laughs> Probably not this one, but starting next next time we have like one of these, that. I'll actually make a song for it. But today it's just a, oh, off cool. the cuff. Yeah, dang. That's creepy. Well, thank you for sharing. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's really crazy. And we'll go back to weaving in a sec. But I was just looking at your chart again, and I mentioned earlier that like the moon is sitting right on your ascendant in your first house. And your first house, I like to think of as like the entryway to like a castle. So like if your body was a castle and the first house is like the entryway. Girl, my body's a temple. <laughs> it's a temple, <laughs> the entryway to the temple. And whatever planets are there kind of show you like what that room would be like. And B has the moon like right at the door. And so I think of this just like you walk in and it's like, just like moonlit, quiet, like shimmering room. And the moon is, like, your emotions and intuition, and because it's, like, right on the ascendant, it's, like, whatever you're feeling is how you're going to navigate through life. <laughs> and so it's funny mm-hmm. that, like, right, like, throughout all of those stories, you kept saying, I felt this, and I feel this, and I don't know, just, like, paying attention to how you're feeling and your intuition is just, like, extremely important. Um, and your eighth house of, like, supernatural, like, shit is ruled by Pisces, which... Pisces really intuitive sign is like the most sensitive open oceanic in tune with other realms sign um and it's also the 12th house which like is ruled by cancer which is ruled by the moon back on your ascendant so there's this like this really cool like I wish I could draw it out for you but um it's all really connected and so you definitely have this like insane sensitivity to things um, for better or for worse and for better for better I think I mean not everyone has that gift um, but that really shows in your artwork as well which we'll go into again so 
Tell us about weaving. Weaving. <laughs> you built a loom. Oh. Yes, you built a loom. That's where he left off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you built a loom. Um, you know, I just quickly, like, on the note of weaving, um, and this whole idea of um, things being interconnected and woven. I mean, mm. like, that, I would say, is the whole idea behind human ecology, and it seems like, um, with everything you were just saying, Yana, like, everything truly is interconnected, which I think is what draws me to weaving so much. That's really cool. It's like the physical representation of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, yeah, so I built my room, and sadly enough, like, I have to say, I, I didn't finish it um, until last summer. Um, it took that long, like, I had it all built, and everything was put together. I just needed to figure out the mechanics of it, mm. um, which I, I realized in hindsight. I was, um, for some reason, like, I was so apprehensive about that. Like, I thought that that would be the hard part, when in reality, like, I, I ended up doing that part so, so much faster than I would anticipated. Um... And so now, kind of come full circle, like, I, I um, am, for my senior project at COA, um, I'm a part of this program called The Hatchery, which is where all of your classes are a part of this program. And it's kind of like um, launching a new venture. And the whole idea of it is that you... Um, create a rapid prototype and, and test it on the market. I was really hoping, yeah. I was really hoping that the hatchery would be like a chicken coop thing and that you were <laughs> making sweaters for chickens. <laughs> oh, or like the little eggs. Right. <laughs> but this is good too. This is, this is fun. This is good. This is, yeah, it's all right. No, it sounds awesome. Keep going. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel so lucky to be a part of it. Um, there's, um, an amazing sustainable business professor that runs it and we each um, get some funding to create our prototypes um, and it's allowing me the time to be here in Vermont um, which is like seven hours from school um, so it's a little crazy because I'm driving back and forth um, I was here last week mostly um, naturally dyeing all of the yarn um, which is really an incredible process. Like, like you guys are talking about, I was really glad I was able to post some of those things. Because um, mm-hmm. it just, I mean, it, it's, it's unlike anything I ever did growing up, and it's, it's so incredible to me, the colors that you can get just from, you know, plants and food um and crushed up bugs yeah i was gonna say the the color you featured were was like this beautiful dark pink was it It it's like it's like a well i'm colorblind you can't really trust me but it looked to me like a dark like red like crimson yeah it was really cool and it was from (laughs) these crushed up bugs that b was using how do you um, pronounce that word um they're called cochineal Okay. Um, they're actually a parasite um, for cacti. Uh, okay. That's where you find them. In South America. 
Very cool. Um, yeah. Now, can you just crush up any old bug, or is that, like, the best <laughs> one? No, that's, like, you know, hundreds, you know, probably thousands of years uh, age-old dying technique huh. um, is using these crushed-up bugs. That's amazing. I know. Um, it's, I think, you know, that's, like, dying and, and leaving, like, I, it is a connection to past um, so much for me. Totally. Yeah, that's, that's one thing that I'm really, like, moved by, especially with these types of projects, like building a loom or blacksmithing or woodworking. Like, what you're creating... Well, I was thinking when you were talking about how people were donating cherry and redwood and stuff like that, that, um, like, your loom is essentially a collector's piece. Like, your loom is one of a kind because of your craftsmanship and that... Uh, like whatever blueprint you used and then um the different wood cuts like uh i don't know in an age of like things being cookie cutter and mass produced and interchangeable it's really yeah. neat to know that like there are people like you out there making things that are one of a kind <laughs> no I, I i genuinely mean that like out there making things that are like one of a kind like the knife you're talking about yeah um, there's going to be no other knife that looks exactly like the one you made. Um, and that's, you know, I think something that is kind of driving thrift culture right now is the cool thing yeah. is that we're really bombarded with all this shit that looks the same and has yeah. this or that label on it. Um, and, I, and you know what's fascinating, Erin? Yeah. Like, I think, um, the tendency or like, um... I guess one of my tendencies is to think that because something, you know, has a name brand, it's better, or, like, because um, there's a company doing it, like, I should trust that over my own um, intuition about things. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm constantly having to say, no, like, I need to trust myself and You're go with your moon's in your first house. Yeah, exactly. First, right? <laughs> first. Your moon's in your first house. Trust your intuition. Like, that's how you're yeah. going to, yeah, succeed for well, sure. And is that kind of like your business, like, what? what is your business prototype right now for the for the okay. weaving company? So, the prototype that I'm doing is, okay, and a quick story as to why this is my prototype. Um, I'll never forget being you know, a freshman at Putney in the weaving studio. And Melissa, who is my incredible um, weaving teacher, mentor, second mother, beautiful, you know, independent woman in my life, um, she, like, has this box in the weaving studio of things she's made, and she pulled out this um, pink hand-woven shirt that she had made. And I just... I remember being so inspired by that shirt that, that you could make your own clothing in that way, like from string to shirt. Um, and so that's my prototype. I'm making um, 12 shirts right now, um, which will soon all be for sale if anyone is interested. Um, I will probably be them, interested. I will probably be interested. I think I already too. reached out to you asking for a midriff shirt. That I could wear on stage. Wait, I should mention that I'm 
mention that the prototype is specifically for um, women's shirts, but soon, like I will still buy it. <laughs> I will still buy one. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah. But I think, Mihana, I've been wanting to say this to you actually. Is a couple of episodes back you talked about imposter syndrome, and I'd never heard a name for that. Um, but it was so fascinating, and I'm also constantly like trying to battle that and um, and say like, no, th- this like. I can do this because I want to and because I feel called to do this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But there is also that voice that's like, who are you to be doing this? You don't know anything about leaving, you know? Yeah, exactly. And even I've caught a few times that you've said, like, I'm so lucky. And it's one thing to acknowledge the amazing community you have, but I know a big part of imposter syndrome is feeling like, you've just, like, been in the right place at the right time and it's not really your skill or, like, your personality or Mm. your being that is getting you these things. Um, But, yeah, yeah, I totally get what you mean. But at least Aaron and I think you're an amazing weaver, if that means anything. No, it's true. It's been awesome to watch the process. And it's, I don't know, I think... Thank you, guys. Seeing the care that you have for it is, is very important. And such commitment and patience. Oh, my gosh. I remember... Even when I was, like, in Florida with with you and you were just doing your yoga teacher training and you had to, like, wake up with the sun and go to sleep during sunset and you really didn't want to, but you, like, did it anyway. And <laughs> you made these, like, instruments before, right? A dulcimer. Yeah, a dulcimer. And, yeah, it's just really incredible. Like, I feel like a lot of people don't really have the patience to, like, make things these yeah. days either. When I first met B in person, I think you were fresh off making the dulcimer and just starting the loom. Mm. And that's also, it's also yeah. cool to, like, have heard about that back when I was a soft, not even a sophomore in college yet, and now that, like, it's done and you're using it and you're you're doing things with it, and it's it's cool to have watched that journey as well. Yeah, super admirable. Thank you. That was one thing that I, I, I wanted to make sure that I mentioned was, like, leaving is a constant test of my patience. Like, I, mm. <laughs> there are so many steps to leaving, and I feel like every single step I, I, make, I make a mistake. Or I have to go back and, you know, pull out the strings and re-thread that, you know, couple inches that I did incorrectly or something like that. Yeah. Um, so it really, it is, it's a test. <laughs> it's, totally. Yeah. yeah. It could be so frustrating. I mean, yeah. I remember just making like a mala necklace and how like tedious that was. And every time there was a knot that you had mm-hmm. to unknot, it was just like, think of something that I'm like trying to work through that I wish was just like really like <laughs> was not there and could just like glaze like smooth over, but really having to just like work at the knot and going back and then. Putting each bead by bead. Um, yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. Thanks so much. That's all of that is, yeah. is so, so really cool. Do you want to hop right into your uh, lightning round from here? Sure. Dear God! So what's your lightning round topic? Number one. Is this me? 
Yes, this is you. (laughs) Sorry. Okay. Um, Both of my lightning round topics are ideas that I've been thinking about. And the first one is the idea of joyous mediocrity, which came up in another podcast that I was listening to called The Dirtbag Diaries. Um, And I think... Um, the term has stuck with me so much because in this world where we constantly have such high expectations for ourselves and others, um, if we can experience like joyous mediocrity and, and, and just like joy in the everyday and, and giving ourselves a bar that's like, you know, high, but attainable and, not like overstressing when we don't get that. Um, I think we can all be a little bit happier. I have actually thought about that a lot. Um, yeah. I no, I actually have. There's this. So this is my moment where I'm like, uh, I didn't know there was a word for that. Yeah, exactly. Um, because I'd heard of imposter syndrome before, like, kind of expressed it before, but this is something I've never expressed to anybody else. But just this idea of like being fine no matter what happens like um that doesn't make you any less valuable or important to like you know eventually be like you know what i just want to be a teacher who lives in a suburb and has family and friends over all the time Mm -hmm. like that's there's nothing wrong with that and honestly it's a more it's almost a more honest and i don't know i don't want to value it anything but it just it just seems that Um, like, there's something more wholesome, even, about that, about just being okay with whatever happens, instead of always demanding the best. Yeah, I like, I like that a lot. Maybe this is the wrong interpretation of it, but one of my favorite moments of studying abroad was when I just took this train by myself to this random town, and I was just, like, watching the everyday interactions between people, and I really liked the Mm. fact that no one knew my face or my name or anything and I could just like sit and observe and um a lot of Japanese authors I think focus on like the everyday and the beauty of it um like Banana Yoshimoto (laughs) 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 Banana Yoshimoto talks about her books are a lot about um like everyday things but the beauty behind it yeah absolutely well cool thank you I love it Erin what is yours um, mine is Shakespeare, and cool. that's kind of silly, but also, I never really liked Shakespeare, and getting drunk while doing Shakespeare, and watching people get drunk and watch Shakespeare, and sharing a drunken Shakespeare experience has really opened up the humanity, pardon me, and the fun of Shakespeare, um, because I used to think it was just the lame thing they made you read in class, and I hated it, um, and then... Uh, it's become increasingly clear to me that there's actually a lot of really good stuff in there Mm -hmm. and that it's a blast. And I think just, I don't know, everyone was drunk back in the day, actors and watchers alike. And I think that, um, like many things, the institutionalization of Shakespeare has kind of ruined it for a lot of kids. Mm -hmm. But that uh, if you turn people loose, I don't know, if you took a high school class to drunk Shakespeare, if that was legal, uh, (laughs) I think think they would get it. I think it would click all of a sudden. Um, I don't know. That's my input. I have a question about your Shakespeare. Yeah, go for it. 
do you already have the lines memorized or are you reading yeah. or are you so yeah so we yeah. we actually rehearsed for a couple of weeks um sober pardon are you rehearsing sober? Or oh, are you so we, we start rehearsing sober, but sober is like a sober is like a relative <laughs> term because everyone brings beers every week, um, but you don't aim to get drunk. You might have one or two, and yeah, we just rehearse like you would rehearse any other play. Um, probably like a lot like your uh, process for the wolves went because we have no budget and we. Right just like meet at a place and do it with like no set no nothing um and then uh we kind of like source it out of our own pockets to do it i say we i feel weird saying we when i'm so new to the group um but i'm i guess i'm part of it now so that's kind of strange but uh um yeah so then we get drunk later down the line but at that point we already have all the blocking and all the lines memorized um that sounds so fun and hilarious and I hope that the next time I'm in Denver I could see a show. If you're going to be here anytime this summer I will absolutely be in something I, I would bet. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay so my lightning round is a poem. Mm, nice. That I and I, I'm not a huge poetry person. I mean I love poetry but. Yeah you're only like what five foot five. <laughs> um, but if I hear a really good poem, I know I will just like hold on to it. Okay, then I will uh, do this. Well, and then yeah, I'll okay. read. I'll read. This is called "My Daughter Describes the Tarantula." Her voice is as lovely and delicate as a web. She describes how fragile they are, how they can die from a simple fall. And she tells me about their burrows, which are tidy and dry and decorated with silk. They are solitary, she tells me, and utterly mild. And when they are threatened, they fling their hairs, trying not to bite. She says they are most vulnerable when they molt, unable to eat for days while they change. They are misunderstood, she explains. And suddenly her description becomes personal. She wants to keep one as a pet to appreciate it properly, to build it a place where it belongs. Right? Oh. Like, it makes me cry. <laughs> I love that poem so much. Um, and again, I'm not a huge poetry person, but I love this, and I love... Maybe it's like a Pisces thing, or like a moon thing, to want to just like, vibe with the underdog or the underappreciated. <laughs> but, yeah, I just thought it was a beautiful poem and I wanted people to hear it. Um, it's by Faith Sheeran, S-H-E-A-R-I-N, not like Ed Sheeran, but Faith Sheeran. And, yeah, that's just my little, my little cute poem that I found and I appreciated, which I think is rare for me. But I should probably just read more poetry. But... Yeah. I know. I find that with poetry too. Like, I, I love finding something that speaks so much to me. And then I always have the thought, like, oh, I should read that. I should read more poetry. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know. I kind of like just stumbling upon really, really cool ones. Um, yeah, that was a great one. Thanks. Do you write poetry at all, B? 
write a little bit of poetry here and there. Okay, cool. But, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going back to you for your next lightning round. Okay. My next lightning round is, um, it's a, it's an idea from Chinese philosophy, and I wish I knew more background to it, but the concept is just fascinating to me, and it's the knowing-doing gap. Have either of you heard about this? No, I haven't. Aaron is shaking his head. I have not heard about this. No. Okay, so this is really, I mean, it's kind of, it's exactly what it sounds like, but it's, it's the gap between what you know and and then what you do. And I'm constantly considering those things for myself. Like, um, And I think those words, too, can be arbitrary, you know, like, um, and it's so different for each person. But, like, what do I know about how I should be taking care of myself and then how am I actually taking care of myself in the day-to-day? Right, right. Huh. Does that? Yeah. Yeah. So, so is that like, I don't know much about podcasting, but I started doing it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, sort of. Um, I think though, it's more like, um, you know, I wish I knew more about it, but I, I, my understanding is that it has more to do with there being sort of a right way or like a right way for the individual to um, live their life. Um, and if and and if you're doing that differently, it's just something to know. I don't know. It, for me, it's like a way of just noticing like my thoughts versus my actions. Hmm. That's, yeah, when I heard you explain it, it, it kind of reminded me of just like, knowing about some problems in the world, but, like, what are you actually doing to, like, help? Mm -hmm. And for me, that's a source of guilt, but that's kind of taking it, like, a next level further. Maybe not guilt, but just, like, uh, well, guilt and motivation to, like, actually do something. Um, Like, every time I talk to Dan Myers, he just tells me more about the world (laughs) and how, like, I'm not really doing anything. Um, not, not in, like, the way that's, like, demeaning, but it just, it, it makes me, like, inspired to, like, actually do stuff. Um, yeah, that's cool. exactly. Just, like, being aware of your thoughts and your actions. Huh. I'm gonna have to read up more on this one, because I don't know if I still comprehend it. Also, I apologize if I went quiet there. I, um, so my next lightning round is about holistic self-care. Um, I feel like we're very much in a movement... Um, these days, I think our whole generation is just, I hate the word generation. I think a lot of young people are currently in a battle against mass, like I was saying earlier with the thrifting thing, in a battle against mass produced, labeled, business, shady, large corporation, large government, whatever. Mm -hmm. Anything that seems like mass produced and like sold to us. I just feel like a lot of the young people are really rebelling against that. And and one way that's starting to come out in young mothers not vaccinating their children, which is very bad. Um, and it's coming out in, like, a lot of people turning to alternative forms of medicine, even though there are, like, proven forms of medicine for that same thing they're trying to do. Um, and that's that's that can be good. And that it's it's important to 
not take what authority tells you um, just as, as face value truth. And it's good to experiment with these more holistic uh, methods that have come down from generations and generations before us. Um, but I also think those things need to be like eating healthy and doing yoga and getting massage therapy and doing aromatherapy, all that type of stuff, Reiki. Um, I'm into all that stuff, but I also think it's important to also, um, turn to, turn to medicine as well and balance, have a balanced, very holistic approach to your self-care. Um, so currently I, in the, so I bring that all up because I'm currently trying to get ADHD medication because I have, um, been managing my ADHD symptoms for, uh, quite a while and doing a decent job at it. Um, but it is becoming increasingly difficult, especially as like someone graduated from college looking for work. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to get this medication. Um, I mean, I'm taking a lot of other approaches to it. I've done yoga. I, um, take time for self care. I do baths. I've just started like baths help me a lot. I started, uh, meditating. I use calendars and to-do lists, but there's still like a gap and, um, I'm trying to close that gap with some medication, but my insurance is refusing to pay for it because it's a pretty new one. Mm. Um, so I've been in like a month long battle with my insurance company and, um, my mom yelled at my doctor, which isn't great because it's not my doctor's fault. Yeah. And I still have to go see that doctor. My doctor sounded a bit frustrated during the voicemail I was listening to a couple minutes ago. And I told her specifically not to be, uh, be testy with them, but it sounded like that didn't happen. So, um, anyway, yeah, that's just one thing is, yeah. is holistic approach to self-care and being honest with yourself when you need those things yes. and being honest yes. with yes. yourself when you don't like if, mm-hmm. if you're like, yeah. I want to try antidepressants or anti-anxiety or ADHD medication, do those things and don't feel guilty about it. Or if you want to quit them, Talk to your doctor about how to safely do that. Um, but there's also no guilt in that if you truly don't think it's for you. So I, I just want to say that. Yeah, I struggle with this all the time, too, because on one, I mean, on one side, like pharmaceuticals have like really fucked up my body <laughs> and things like birth control and like eczema mm-hmm. creams and antibiotic creams and me just like not eating dairy just like solved everything and I could have just done that like 20 years ago instead of damaging right. my skin with shit and uh-huh. same same as birth control but I mean it is a very personalized case by case basis like some women I don't I it's very com- my co- thoughts are very complex about birth control in general but for my body yeah. personally I'm doing much better off of birth control pills um and kind of taking a more holistic approach and a, but like I think access to birth control is still very important. Um, oh, absolutely. And, yeah, people say things like, you can get rid of your breast cancer through, like, meditation, Reiki, and chanting. And I'm nope. like, please, like, <laughs> may, like, go see a doctor. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, because that's the thing is, like, part of the, part of, part of this is that this is a thing that's been going on since the 60s, but, like, y- young people are turning away from these big businesses into big business disguised as small holistic business Mm -hmm. as small, like, um, like herbal remedy stuff. 
Yeah. Like, because everyone's making money. Like, you know, someone who's telling you that they're like herbal concoctions are going to heal you of, cure you of cancer is still prob- probably charging you like $1,000 per like pound of that stuff, you know? It's like, yeah, it's really yeah, complicated. Think, Go ahead. Yeah. I think the biggest thing, too, is, is to recognize that with all of those things that both of you guys mentioned, all of those remedies, like, they're all just tools. Exactly. You know? mm-hmm. And people are going to use those tools differently, and, um, like, some may be stronger, you know, for some than others, but it is, like, a completely personalized thing, and we have to learn... And learn through, like, experience what works best for us. And it sounds like, Erin, you tried all these different things, and um, I think that's important, too, uh, before just jumping to, like, conventional medication. But I hope that that gets worked out. Yeah, Yeah, me too. Uh, This one's super cool. So, like, most ADHD meds are kind of, like, one step down from meth. Mm-hmm. Um, and amphetamine based that's not even a joke like they're, they're only a couple no, of chemical things yeah. over from uh, meth and uh, this new thing is non-stimulant based so that's why I really wow. want to get it um, that's awesome right. yeah so it'll focus me without hopefully making me stay up all night or not eat for days or um, I don't know like just be absolutely wired which is also why don't abuse Adderall. If you're listening to this and you use Adderall a lot, like, don't. Stop. It's not good for your body. It's basically meth. Like, if you're like, I just need this to get through this exam, it's like, go go smoke some meth, and you'll it'll you'll feel the exact same. It'll probably be cheaper. Anyway. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a really good topic. I could probably talk about that. Because I, I work with this woman who, like, is an herbalist, and she's helped me tremendously with, like, what she knows, but it's because she's done it for years, and... She also takes into account, mm-hmm. like, like Tylenol is great. <laughs> you know, just like, I don't know. There needs yeah. to be a balance. Um, my lightning round is, um, I'm choosing between pimple popping videos. Oh, God. Or that Kanye West <laughs> is back on Twitter. They're both great. So maybe I might just leave it back on that. But Kanye's tweets, he's back. Very they, they have been fire today. They're really They're still awesome. kind of nonsense. <laughs> yeah. He's still kind of out there, but I like to start my day by reading them. The Anyone who's just, like, telling you to, like, move through life with, like, being one with love, like, that doesn't mean anything. I appreciate yeah. the sentiment. Well, he had a good one that was, like, don't trade your authenticity for something. I don't know. Pokemon but, cards. But it was, you can do that. I've been watching Pokemon again. Really is cool. it good? Um, and pimple pop- popping videos, I love watching those. Even the big disgusting like ones on people's backs, and there's just something. Is that because like you said in the last episode, like you love just watching things pop? Did I say that? Yeah, you did. Yeah, you talked about goo and and popping oh, videos. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I just You're like I. <laughs> it gives me a sense of like release. <laughs> I can like. Do you like? Do you like? Actually, my mom used to do this thing to my dad, where she'd literally pop my dad's pimples on his back. Do you ever do that, dispenser? I love doing that to anyone. <laughs> I've done that to my friends back home. I will like obsessively look at my face in like one of those super close-up mirrors and just like want to pop everything. Do you have one of those fancy neat the the tweezer things? It's like a, no, it's, I like those circle things. Yeah, yeah, no, they're I great. Don't, I don't have one of those. But, they're great. Um. Yeah, that's my lightning round. Do we should we stop at that because you still have your topic and Yeah, we should stop at that one. Okay, perfect. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so, um, my topic is pol- is polio vaccination. No, it's not. <laughs> um, my, my topic is, uh, 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 Alex G. Um, I've been sitting on this one for a while. Yeah, you have. Um, so Alex G, Sandy, Alex G, I should be specific because there is a... Um, Alex G, who came in with a bunch of money and covers of Taylor Swift songs and sued the person who had the name first for the use of the name because she had the money and the lawyers, which is lame, dude. So lame. Um, but anyway, Sandy, in parentheses, Alex G, is uh, probably one of the most inspirational musical acts I've ever heard. Not only is all of his stuff... He doesn't have, in my opinion, a, ba- a bad song after um, after his album DSU came out, uh, which you can find all that stuff on Spotify. Pretty much all the albums that he's like proud of, he has on on Spotify. And if you really want to dig deep, there's lots of YouTube compilations of unreleased stuff. Um, Nintendo 64 is a great song that you can look up that was never released. Uh... But yeah, I, I kind of wrote up a little thing. Um, so I want to talk about Alex G because he's one of my heroes for uh, what I believe is a very good reason. Um, he's an insanely talented uh, lyricist, musician, composer, and, and just all-around thinker. Uh, he does everything himself. Um, and he's, one of the most impressive things is that he started as a drummer picked up the guitar, picked up the bass, picked up the piano. He just started adding instruments on top of it um, and records everything himself in, in like a 2012 copy of GarageBand. It's like GarageBand <laughs> 6. And, That's awesome. Uh, so he's, you know, working with really old old uh, software, um, not really until recently top-of-the-line instruments, and he did it for like from the age... He started at the age of 16... And started getting noticed about the age of 18 or 19, I think. And he's just kept it on going. And now he's about 26, I believe. Um, and he um, he's about 26 now. And one of the most impressive things that he does, um, besides being a multi-instrumentalist, is that he does something that not many... Um, especially male songwriters, I feel, do. Um, in each of his songs, he tries to take on a perspective that is not his own. Um, very often, I feel like... He, he tries to like write from the point of view of somebody else. Not a, okay. not a, not a straight dude, um, basically. Okay. So he has songs where he... Uh, one of his most popular songs, a, a folky tune called Bobby, um, is a duet uh, with one of his frequent collaborators. And um, they both seem to be singing from the perspective of two different, of, of, a, of a woman, I believe. Or you could argue it could be two different women. Um, or you could argue it's a straight couple, but I don't think so because... Um, their voices are pretty equal in the mix, and he's, I bo- to me, it's always read as a, a lesbian love story about um, two women in kind of a working class 
or lower class, like lower middle class um, area who uh, one of them is in a relationship with a man and doesn't feel that she can get out of it to be with this other person, but is always saying, you know, I, you know, if you asked me to, I would leave this life and we, we could make it work. Um, and that's really rare. He has another song called, uh, he, he does not only um, other characters that are underrepresented, but also underrepresented characters that are at the same time deplorable. Like uh, his song, Adam, is by all accounts the so- a song from perspective of a gay bully who um, is picking on his love interest um, because he is unable to reconcile his feelings um, and unable to like openly talk about it. So instead, he dunks the kid in the in the pool at the Y, splashes him in the eyes, steals his lunchbox, all these things, um, and. Uh, the you know a telling line is that he's like I hope when uh, Adam gets home he thinks of me alone, uh, and it's like just this weird wow. love song by this elementary school kid who's in love with his classmate and doesn't know how to deal with it so he just bullies him, um, and that's just cool stuff for for a like a young dude to write about when I feel like most young especially popular uh, young male based bands are just singing about like the girl they want to hook up with. Like, yeah. and that's right. every song. Do you know where he gets like, inspiration for his points of view from? He just says, it, he and he undersells himself. This is another thing I appreciate about him, is he's very humble, mm-hmm. despite where his life has recently taken him. He remains very humble in interviews. Um, they're like, how do you come up with these lyrics? How do you come up with this stuff? He goes, well, I just write the instrumental. Um... I kind of hear a melody in that and I just hum it to myself and then I just put in whatever words seem to go with the melody. He's like, so it's not, he's, he always claims it doesn't mean anything or it, that he's not trying to do one thing or another, which is probably disingenuous. Um, there, there's a lot of things that he's doing in his lyrics that um, are really impressive and sincere. And I think um, he, he seems to be a pretty private kind of weird dude, especially when you see him live. Um, He's also uh, one of the major names coming to uh, Pitchfork Music Festival, Sasquatch Music Festival, and he's playing with Dr. Dog twice here uh, this summer, and I'm going to see both shows. Nice. Um, So just look out for him on festival lineups. He usually plays with Japanese Breakfast. They just finish a tour together in Japanese Breakfast. She's amazing. I, Michelle, I forget her last name, but um, she's an incredible musician as well, and they're good friends. So That's awesome. watch out for them on any festival lineups, and if you're bored during that time slot, go see those two. Um, uh, what else do I want to say? Um, yeah, he also talks about, like, another one of his popular songs is called... Um, oh, man. I think it's Harvey. Yeah, Harvey, which is about a business school major. It seems to be, at least, about a business school major who's gone away to college and is coming home to see his um, mentally challenged younger brother or older brother. Um, And so when he's away from home, there's these two different sides to him where when he's away from home, he's all about success and the fast life and making money and being awarded for what he does. But then when he comes home, like what really matters to him is showing affection to this this brother that um, has had to stay behind and miss out on life. And it's just this amazing character study of 
someone who, if you met them in the street, you'd be like, oh, what a, what a piece of shit asshole. Um, but mm. when you see in the lyrics him interacting with his handicapped sibling, it suddenly you're like, oh, there's depth to this person. And I think it's something that not a lot of writers in any genre do, but especially music. There's usually not enough time given to really suss out what someone's about. Um, yeah, he also never sticks to genre. He does that on purpose. Whatever perspective the person he's kind of singing about, whatever perspective they have, he kind of copies that um, style of music. So his recent effort, Rocket, uh, with Bobby on it, um, Bobby is, like, since it's about working and lower-class people, seemingly, it's, uh, it's played in this folk country style um, that might fit that better. Um, and... Really cool. So I mentioned that he's very humble still, despite what he's accomplished. Uh, in 2015, while working on Blonde, Frank Ocean heard Alex G's album Beach Music. And because Frank Ocean is awesome, and because, as I talked about last episode, many weeks ago, uh, you should listen to things outside of your own genre, Frank Ocean was listening to some Alex G. And decided he loved his guitar work and his writing and he asked him to come play on some songs and now Alex G yeah he so Frank Ocean discovered him through Bandcamp and Alex G just finished touring as Frank one of Frank Ocean's lead guitarists on the touring band and he went straight from doing that to starting his own tour for this summer um and that's been his whole year but even in interviews now like when people are like what happened with Frank he's like I don't know, I guess he liked my music. Like, it's not that big a deal. Like, I just played some guitar on some songs. I'm just touring with it. Not a big deal. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate that in a world where, like, everyone wants to brag or, I don't know, seem larger than life. Alex, she's like, I'm just some dude from Pennsylvania who wants to play music, you know? Yeah. Anyway, that's my thing. If you haven't ever listened to Sandy Alex G, uh, check him out. He's, he's worth a listen. And that's my topic. Aaron, I, feel, I feel like um, as a musician, he speaks so much to what you were talking about on the last podcast in terms of being a musician yourself um, and being open to all kinds of music. Like, you have to be, um, which I thought was really, really interesting like um, and important for like artists alike to remember that... Um, it can be easy to, like, get stuck in our habits, in in what's comfortable for us, but to remember that there's, like, you know, a whole world out there worth of different material and, and things from just, like, anyone to pull from. And also, I think it's so great that that musician, like, what a great way um, for him to be an ally. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and to, exactly. Like, broaden his own perspective on the world yeah exactly i mean that's exactly why i love his work so much is that he he's constantly challenging himself both in how he views the world and also in how he views his own music in relationship to art and i think that that's what you got to be doing all the time yeah and that's that's what's really um important to me about him and what i think sets him apart from a lot of artists working right now and puts him more in line with it is, maybe this is a stretch for some people, but I'd say puts him more in line with someone like David Bowie, who mm. was just constantly trying to do a, a similar thing. 
with genre and with perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you, B. Thank you, B, for being on the show. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, everyone listening after our long break. Um, it feels thank good you to be back. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Oh, of course. It's a pleasure. This has been a great... I Yeah. Such a great episode already. Next time you're um, on, we'll have a much better setup with the Skype. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out next time. Instead of having a phone on a table with a microphone. Uh, yeah, exactly. And one more time, B... Um, what can people do to look at what you're doing with your weaving? So people can find me on Instagram at bbuts, which is B-E-A-B-U-T-S. Um, and once you're there, be on the lookout um, for an upcoming new page called Be Woven. Um, but if you're interested in a hand-woven, naturally-dyed um, women's shirt, yes. be in touch. Awesome. I'm being completely genuine. <laughs> I want to be very clear. I'm not joking. Um, yeah, I'm very excited to see where this project takes you. It's going to be awesome. Oh, thank you guys so much for your support. Um, I'm so excited to hear more about this upcoming music festival. I'm so, ex I'm so excited to tell you about it when I see you at your dad's wedding. Woo! Yeah. Shout out to Tom Butler. Shout out to Tom yeah. Butler and Sarah. Uh, on congratulations on your upcoming nuptials. I cannot wait to party down with y'all on the dance floor. It's going to be a good one. All right, B, we're going to let you go. I know it's a bit later there than here. All right, you guys. Well, I hope you both have a wonderful night. Thank you. You too. Thank be you. safe. Have fun. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I thought that went well. That was awesome. That was our first, our first, first remote, remote interview. Hell yes. Episode. All right. Well, oh. that about does it for us. Yeah, that does do it for us. That does. Did do you it just for draw us. one more card to like? No. See? That's. Oh, that's my card. That's your, oh, I forgot to pull a card for me. What I'll if we pull a again. card at the end of every episode? Sure. Just like. Yeah. Just as like. Just a like little, for a little. Little thing. Okay. I'll shuffle and then you pull one. Okay. We're gonna okay. do teamwork. This is our this is our new ending thing <laughs> new every time. Ending. And this is ending. where the music will fade up, like Perfect. right about here. Okay. And the I already touched is. it. The, the chariot! How did it was meant to be? There you go, <laughs> B. The card seven pulled straight out of the deck. It happened, you asked for it. It fucking delivered. There you go. Alright. Um, guys, have a great, great week. Bye, we love you. We love you. Oh, wait, what is my thing? I forgot. What? I had like a sign-off. Oh yeah, you did. Well, stay out of trouble, kids. <laughs> That's a new one. Whatever. Bye. Bye.